Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise! C'est la mauvaise! Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens! Stanley pour les Canadiens, le fac troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Marinero on this Friday, January 5th. How is everyone doing? Live from Portugal, that's me. And uh, you don't normally see me on Friday nights, but you don't normally see Shane Gomont or Matt O'Han on uh, Thursday nights either, or on Wednesday nights or Tuesday nights or whatever. And since They've been hosting the sick podcast after Montreal Canadiens games, because obviously I'm not going to do that because their games start give or take at around seven or eight o'clock. By the time they finish, they're either 10 or 11 o'clock. Fast forward five hours because I'm in Portugal and therefore I would be bringing you shows live at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. And I'm not about to do that as much as I love my show. And uh, so, you know, they've been filling in for me. And tonight when I normally wouldn't work, I'm going to be filling in for Matt O'Han. Shane Gaumont is at Master Control. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sick Podcast. Once again, I am in Portugal. I will be here for um, about another week, and then I'll make my way back to Montreal. And so, um, you know, I, as much as I'm happy to be here, uh, home is home, and I'll be happy to get home as well. It's the Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, named by the Financial Times as one of America's fastest-growing companies in 2023. They've been recognized, by the way, by the Globe and Mail as a top-growing Canadian company for two years in a row. They work with some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies. They provide end-to-end logistic services. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Pretty cool place to work. Uh, hopefully the podcast continues to do well and we take the next step. And if we don't, uh, it's uh, probably energy or playground for me. Speaking of which, when I talk to you about playground with over 30,000 square feet of new gaming, dining and entertainment space, it's time to reacquaint yourself with the new playground. World-class sushi, AAA steaks, live shows, a brand new poker floor, and so much more located just over the Mercy Bridge. Only minutes from downtown Montreal playground, playground experience the strip without the trip. I like that one. We will get to our guest in about a, a minute or two. And the guest tonight is going to be a guy they call the snake, a guy I call Userpent. We'll get to him. But first and foremost, I'll continue to give a shout out to our sponsors and our partners, one of which is Accent Insurance Solutions. Uh, And you all know that insurance isn't created equal. You know where to find the right solution for you. Accent Insurance. Accent doesn't sell insurance, by the way, in case you're wondering. They shop it for you to find the right product right on the money. Whatever your insurance needs, whether it's home, automobile, or business. And it's funny because every time I see their phone number the way I'm seeing it right now up on the screen, I think of my buddy Sergio Momesso that I used to work with for a very long time because when he played for the Montreal Canadiens, he wore number 36. Their number to call was 514-363-3636. And of course, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards, Le Debit of TV is also a partner of the Sick Podcast. They offer quality microbrewery beers for everyone's taste. Le Bit of TV, embrace your true nature. That's it. And now it's time for the show where the Montreal Canadiens, we were pretty excited a couple of nights ago because the Canadiens won a real big game in Dallas. They had snapped a three-game losing streak. 
they finished the seven-game road trip going 500, and it all looked pretty positive a couple of nights ago. And now 48 hours after that, well, now we're going to talk about them losing, actually getting obliterated by the Buffalo Sabres by a score of 6-1 to one for whatever reason. And I don't have the scores or the data to back it up, but it just seems like the Canadians do pretty well in Buffalo over the last couple of years, and the Canadians do not well versus the Sabres when they play in Montreal. It also seems like Jeff Skinner and Tage Thompson have been lighting it up for a couple of seasons now for the Buffalo Sabres, and they lit it up last night. And unfortunately for Jake Allen, he was on the receiving end. So tonight we're going to talk about a Montreal Canadiens team that once again got lambasted by a score of 6-1 to one to the Buffalo Sabres. They had uh, no solution for Skinner. They had no solution for Thompson. They had no solution to beat Devin Levi, a West Island boy, um, who did pretty well last night, stopping 32 for the Buffalo Sabres. So we'll talk about the Canadians losing that game, which now means they've lost four of their last five. We'll talk about Christian Dvorak, who went in for surgery, and his season is over. So think of the Canadian center ice position. Doc goes down in period number four of the season. Now Christian Dvorak is out for the season. And uh, what was it, uh, 15 or 20 games in, Alex Newick went down with an injury, and he was uh, set to miss about four months. He's still not back. We'll also talk about the World Junior Championships because, of course, they were over earlier today, and we know now who has won the tournament. And as we predicted here on the SICK Podcast with Tony Marinaro, mind you, we're not the only one. I think a lot of people predicted, actually, as a matter of fact, even Craig Button, TSN's director of scouting, when I asked him for a prediction, who do you like in this tournament? He said USA, and he said Sweden. I said, who's your MVP? He went with Cutter Gauthier. I went with Lane Hudson. In the end, they were both part of the MVP team, the all-star team of the World Juniors, but it was LeCarrie Mackey of Sweden who had seven goals in seven games. He was drafted 15th overall in his draft year. We're going to talk about it with a draft guru, a scouting guru, a former Quebec Major Junior Hockey League scout, Simo the Snake Boisvert. Who's that band? What's going on? Doing well, Tony. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and yours as well, my friend. It's very, very nice to see you. That's it's so, your opportunity now to say it's very nice to see me too. Did I miss yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to see you, but you Thank know you. that already. Yeah, I don't have my bottle, by the way. So you see my hair is a little bit more fluffed up than yeah. usual. I don't have my it bottle. Looks with great. It looks great, actually. Uh, thank you very much for that. All right. Uh, we will talk about the World Juniors because God knows you're going to have an opinion on a lot of those players that were playing in that tournament, for sure, without a doubt. But let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens first. Um, a couple of games ago, they snapped their losing streak at three in a row by beating the Dallas Stars. But some will say that they should have lost that game. And the reason why they won it was Samuel Montembeau. And Marchman wasn't able to tap home a loose puck, uh, you know, with uh, less than a minute to go in the game, which could have tied it. And so for a lot, it's disaster. And for some, it's the Canadians went 500 on the road trip. Um, are you a glass half full guy or a glass half empty when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens road trip? And, uh, you know... Obviously, not going to be half full after losing to the Buffalo Sabres, but how do you see things here? How do I see things? Well, it, 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 there were games that they lost where it was kind of predictable that they would lose those games. But if there were there was one game that I thought they would lose for sure was the game in Dallas because the Stars are very strong. They're a cup contender. But yeah, uh, Montembeau was great. And yeah, there was this... Uh, Marchman thing that happened, but look, it's, it's upsets are part of a season. I think you have to look at the the big picture, and we're almost uh, halfway through uh, the season. And I think you know the Habs uh, are probably performing a little bit better than some thought, but they're gonna have some, they're gonna lay a, lay an egg sometimes, like they did last night against Buffalo, and that's yeah. normal with the kind of team that they had. And sometimes you know they're gonna win a few games that we don't expect. And I think it's normal because um, it's a team in transition. We've talked about it uh, a million times. First of all, they have to identify who is part of their future core. And also, there's still a lot of cleaning up to do with the contracts that they have. You look at Armia. You look at Gallagher. 
uh, it's like they're, they're stuck with these contracts. Yeah. I mean, right. so to me, it's a season where you have to look at individual players, how they progress more yeah. than game a game by game thing about, well, the Habs lost, the Habs won, the Habs lost, the Habs won. Okay, we'll get to the contracts a little bit later on. And you said something, if there was a game that you thought they were going to lose, it was going to be versus the Dallas Stars. If there's a game I thought they were going to lose, it was the game versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Out of all of them, that's the one that I said they're going to lose for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, uh, three games and four nights, travel included. They were in Carolina on Thursday. They were in Florida on Saturday. And they were in Tampa on Sunday. Now, I get it. The travel from Fort Lauderdale to Tampa is not rather extensive. But it was three games and four nights, travel included. That's number one. Number two, we saw the Tampa Bay Lightning early on in the season. I think they jumped out to a 4 nothing lead versus the Canadians in Montreal. The Canadians got a couple of goals back, but they couldn't match the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Tampa, I think it's a good five or six years that traditionally they give the Canadians a lot of problems. Maybe even more than that, by the way, because, of course, they had won a cup in the early 2000s. So they, they just, they're, they're always a tough out for the Montreal Canadiens. That's number one. Number two, and and I know I wasn't here to say it, but I mean, I, I thought they were going to lose last night to the Buffalo Sabres because once again, the Sabres traditionally do well in Montreal. So I, I felt, I saw that one coming. Number two, believe me when I tell you this, when the local kid who's an opposing team's goaltender comes home, I, I think I've seen this movie a thousand times already where that kid is the best player in the game, or he just shuts out the Montreal Canadiens. And so I saw that one coming as well. And number three, Skinner and Thompson are Montreal Canadiens killers in Montreal. They just are. And they score a bunch of goals against them. And they did again. And so uh, I thought it was going to be a bad night. And it was. And once again, when you talked about growing pains, Snake, that's what it is. When you're in a rebuild, there's going to be some things you can't explain. You're going to end up looking really good versus a really good team. You're going to end up looking really bad some nights versus a not-so-good team. Some nights you're going to look really bad versus a really good team. And some nights you'll look good versus a bad team. So you're, it's just it's going to be a mixed bag. It's going to be up and down. The team's going to struggle with consistency. Areas of their game are going to struggle with consistency. Individual performances by players are going to struggle with their consistency. And that's what you had last night. Exactly. So on that note, uh, Josh Anderson, let's, let's, let's backtrack here. We go into the game. We'll try and break down the game and recap the game. But, you know, if you saw Josh Anderson laboring to the bench, and then laboring from the bench to the locker room in Dallas when the Canadians were up by a score of four to one midway through the third. If you saw that, you had to be thinking, all right, the Canadians have been injury plagued for the last two and a half seasons. It's continuing. Anderson's going to be out for a very long time. I was shocked to see him in that lineup last night, Snake. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, it, it it just hurt in the moment, but then he was he, he was good to go. Sometimes it happens. Some injuries look worse than it, that they actually are. Should they be careful with Anderson, considering um, you know what we just talked about? That it's uh, there's it's like a, not a, I wouldn't call it a lost season, but let's say a, a an evaluation oriented season. Uh, maybe they maybe they should have because. Um, Look, uh, Josh Henderson, I think, is still an asset. As his contract winds down, at some point, there will be teams who will be interested to have a big forward like this. So I think at some point, he can garner something for the Habs. Well, so there's, still four years, there's, there's still four years left on that deal, though. I mean, teams are not going to be interested. In yeah, but so. you don't want him to finish that deal at basically uh, on the LTIR. You want him to be close to the end of the yeah. deal, still being capable to play. It was a dumb contract by Benjamin, like most contracts that Benjamin gave, but that's another story. So I think, uh, look, you, you you just cross your fingers with guys like these that they don't become, uh, you know, what Milan Lucic has become at some point after signing this big contract. You're, you're not the president of the Mark Bergevin fan club, are you? 
well, why should I be? I mean, what what has the guy done? He's left the, the team in shambles. You know, he he he, he drafts Scott Kenny and me, dumb move. He, he lets him go, smart move. He gets a first round pick, not bad. He wastes it right away on Radek Dvorak. And, and now the, the Canadians are crippled with all these contracts. What is Kent Hughes going to do? Christian There's nothing Dvorak. you can do. You can't just call uh, people uh, teams up. G GMs and say, oh, you want this guy? You want that guy? Yeah, they all have four, five, six years left on, on dumb contracts. So no, I'm not a president of his uh, of his fan club, and neither am I a president of Trevor Timmons' fan club. In in, in Dvorak, Dvorak was a panic move. Uh, he had lost. It the was goal. a panic move, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, you're you're a GM. You're a GM in the NHL. You're paying millions. You're gonna panic. I mean, there's other guys out there. You think uh, Alex Antopoulos, Braves GM? You think he panics? No, he's cerebral. Bergevin was too emotional. That's my take on it. Yeah, no, listen, you're not the first one to say it. You're not going to be the last. Christian Dvorak, by the way, Radic has uh, since retired. Pardon me? Christian Dvorak. You said Radic. Radic oh, Radic Dvorak. I always mix them up. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, probably the time on a show that I mix them up. I know it's Christian yeah. Dvorak. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it, Cliff. It's okay. Um, Simon, that is. Simon, not Cliff. Uh, you saw what I was doing there, right? I thought yeah. that was funny. I was getting yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. funny. All right, okay. Um, I could have called you Serge, like Serge Boivard, who used to play for the Canadiens, who, by the way, now is scouting for the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, I've been called Serge Boivard at least uh, 100 times uh, since I've been in this podcast business. I prefer calling you Serpent. That's nice. Okay, so let's get to that game last night versus the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, a game where we talked about it, Josh Anderson was in the game. And the Canadians, uh, James Struble was ready for that one. A big hit on Peyton Krebs at the beginning of the game, which showed that Struble was in the game. Uh, but then all of a sudden, Paterka's wrister off the post. That wasn't a very dangerous shot. I mean, Jake Allen just did not look ready for that one. Uh, Canadians have an opportunity. Uh, Devin Levi comes up really big early on and he's showing everyone that he's ready to play. Gallagher to Evans to Yulin. Three stabs at it within inches of Devin Levi who stretched out his right leg and stopped absolutely everything. Buffalo comes back the other way. Yoki Haru, a wrister off the post. So that's a couple of Buffalo shots that go off the post. That too did not look dangerous. And then the Habs had a power play, Monahan to Slavkowski, who found Caulfield, uh, but he just whiffed on it. And that's it. It was a scoreless first period. All right, you take that. You, you know that the first game back from a long road trip is usually tough. Scoreless, okay, no problem. Second period, Armia scores, coaches challenge. Disallowed, interference, uh, Pizzetta interfering with Devin Levi. David Savard takes a penalty. Buffalo goes on the power play. And Skinner to Middlestad. Matheson can't get there. It's one nothing. That player, Snake, when he got drafted midway through round one, if memory serves me well, I'm like, this kid's got good hands, but he probably fell in the draft because he's not a big player. He's having a pretty good year, Casey Middlestad. Yeah, I mean, talk about some kind of a late bloomer. Because th this is a guy, I remember seeing him uh, in, uh, in uh, junior hockey in the States. And I was thinking, hmm, he has skills, but is he going to be fast enough? Is he going to be quick enough? And then he gets drafted and lots of things happen in Buffalo, you know, that didn't go very well. They changed GMs and everything. And he was kind of stuck. Like, is he a third-line center? Is he a second-line center? I think a little bit too much was expected of him at first. And this year, he's really, really found his groove. And he's 25 years old now, probably almost he's, 26. He's he's pushed a bit. He's grown a bit since his draft, yeah. I think. Hey, he, he wasn't has. a big guy in the draft, eh? No, but he was uh, – I, I think at the time at the draft, I thought he was a little bit slow. What I mean slow, I, I, don't just mean, I don't just mean like the skating. I thought like the pace of play was a little bit slow. And there are guys who can slow down the play, you know, like Malkin, for instance, but they're superstars. And there are other guys 
the execution is not fast enough and you wonder how well they're going to do in the NHL. But I, I, I tell you, this is probably, I, I follow the Buffalo Sabres very closely because I like the way they did their little rebuild. The last one, not the other ones, not the previous ones, but the last one with yeah. Kevin Adams. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, this is my biggest surprise that middle stat is finally becoming uh, a legit uh, top six player. Well, he had 59 points in 82 games last year. And this yeah. year, after 39 games, so they're not even at the halfway point of the season yet, he's got 33 points. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he's on pace for about a 68-point season this year, which is an improvement on the 59. This guy is, you're right, a little bit of a Blake Bloomer because, you know, he just turned 25 a couple of months ago. But this kid, he's getting good. I mean, he's he's a good player. Uh, he's a very good player. A guy who's going to average 67 or 68 points, you're damn right he's a good player. All right, so one nothing Buffalo on the Casey Middlestad goal. They go on the power play again a couple of minutes later. Uh, Tage Thompson to Tuck to Skinner. This time Evans can't get there. It's it, it seems like it's the same play they scored on the first goal. Instead of actually finishing on the left-hand side, they're finishing on the right-hand side this time. It's 2 nothing. Buffalo goes back on the power play again. Armia with probably his greatest play in quite some time, strips Rasmus Dahlin, a quick wrister that surprises Devin Levi. The Canadians go back to the locker room only down by a score of 2-1. to one. In period number three, I thought this was a big turning point in the game because Yulinen sets up Jake Evans in close. He's all alone. He scores. It's 2-2. Two -two. Devin Levi makes the save. Jack Quinn comes back the other way. Right-handed shot down the right side. Goes top corner, blocker side. 3-1 Buffalo. Later on, it's Tuck to Skinner. Struble can't get to him. To Thompson. Harris can't get to him. He taps it in at 4-1. By the way, it's one of the first times this year that it looked like Jaden Struble was a little bit in no man's land. And his reaction time was a little bit slow. With over five minutes to go, the Canadians pull the goalie. Rasmus Dahlin scores in an empty net. 5-1 Buffalo. And the Canadians, of course, at that point, you can throw all the structure out the window. There is none. And it leads to a two-on-one for the Buffalo Sabres. Skinner to Thompson, 6-1. That's all she wrote. Jake Allen. Um, he never looked comfortable last night. Never. My question to you is, we know that he's here for a reason. We know they have three goalies. We know that he's likely here because they believe another team is going to pick up Caden Primo. I know you're not the president of the Primo fan club. But if you're Kent Hughes, what are you doing about the three-goalie system right now, knowing that Jake Allen just got absolutely obliterated versus the Sabres? Does it change anything for you? Well, what it, I'll tell you what it is. Allen's contract is ending not this year, but the following year. Correct. 3.875. There are some players when they have two playoffs left on their contract, they're valuable. And there are other players where you'd rather have an expiring contract. Correct. And not bothered with their big salary or another year of them. So I think Allen is in the latter category. I think Allen might have a little bit more, a little bit more value next year come uh, trade deadline if a contending team uh, has an injury and wants to make sure that they have a backup goalie for the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to get a second-round pick for him. It depends on the kind of season he has. But I think he will have a certain value next year as his contract is expiring. But pardon me, I don't know about that opinion, if I can interject, by the yeah. way, because I understand your point. Well, sometimes you have more value when you have two playoff left in you. And sometimes you have more value when you yeah. only have one. It all depends on your performances. If Jake Allen is lights out over the last month, Jake Allen has a lot of value right now, knowing that he still has an A game and he can help your team for the next two seasons. But after watching him last yeah. night, his value just took a dip last night. Yeah, but with goalies, Tony, you know how it is. It's, it's, it's very unpredictable. I mean, what happens with goalies? So sometimes you'd rather have a goalie <clears throat> for like who's hot during the year and you're going to have him for one stretch, one playoff season. 
instead of gambling on the fact that, okay, he's good this year, but he's also going to be good next year, especially at close to $4 million a year. No. So that's my take on Allen. Now, for Primo, the reason why we keep Allen for another season is, is because Primo, to me, is he's not the goalie of the future. <sighs> Anyone can find a backup goalie. Is it Jacob just, Fowler? Just put him it, on waivers. Just is it Jacob Fowler? On, pardon me? Is it Jacob Fowler? Oh, we don't know yet. Way too early. I mean, hold on a second. If if you had to if you had to let a goalie go just by putting him on waivers, yeah. Why didn't you? Why wouldn't you do it with Allen? You just said Primo's not the goalie of the future. No, no one's that Allen's not the. No one's going to pick him up. Okay. And, and Primo, by putting him on waivers, you 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 have a chance to send him to Laval, where basically he could help the Rocket because he the Rocket is in that. He won't clear waivers. He won't clear waivers. Okay, well then, good, good riddance. It's not good, you know. You're losing an asset for no reason. No, don't talk stupid now. Come on. No, but what are you going to get? You know, you, talk, you talked about Alex Antopoulos being cerebral. I want you okay, to be the same. Okay, Let's go. Okay, Come on. Tony. Okay, let's play Kent Hughes now. Yes. He's making phone calls. He's offering Caden Primo. Yes. What is, what is he being offered? A second, a seventh round pick. He's being offered a draft pick. A seventh round pick. A third. Come on, Tony. He, he has a, a, a goalies with without uh, NHL experience because he doesn't have much NHL experience are not worth much. Okay, they are not worth much. So 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 then trade him if he's worth a, th a third round pick. Let, so they've kept him right. here for argument's sake. Let's say you're right. Let's say Kent Hughes makes phone calls and he gets a third round pick. What the hell is he waiting for? Or does he think that Aiden Primo has potential to be a, a very good backup goalie for the next five to seven years? The, the reason why he's waiting is because he's saying Caden Primo is 24 years old. Goalies come into their prime at 27. The jury is still out on this kid. He doesn't make a lot of money. He's the youngest goalie I have. He's not worth trading for a third or a fourth. Let me just keep him around here. Let's see what happens. The guy I'm going to trade eventually is Jake Allen. That's the thought process. And by the way, do I know for a fact that they can get a third for Caden Primo? Obviously not. I'm not privy to any conversations, but I just think. He's not playing. In order to develop, he needs to play. Yeah, that, I understand that. That's why yeah, I want goalies. And Montembeau is the, is the number one. A hundred percent. So then do something. S send Allen to Laval then. Put him on waivers. Send him to Laval then. And give Primo the net. I mean, I that problem with that. The playoffs. They're not going to win the cup. You want to know what you have? Your 24-year-old goalie who you think is going to reach his prime uh, at age 27? Give him 30 games this year. Give him 35 games. Or send it back to Laval and play, I don't know, 55 games. He, he, he's just practicing with the team, basically. So I don't, I, I don't dispute what the Canadians are doing, but what I dispute is... What's the plan with all this? If you believe in Primo, you play him. If you don't believe in him, you trade him. No? All right. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's a discussion that's been going on for a while. Yeah. Uh, Christian Dvorak is out for this season. We talked about it before. We thought it was a panic move by Mark Berger. I mean, some loved it at the time because Dvorak's name was out there in trade rumors. There were other teams who were more competitive than the Montreal Canadiens at the time, or just as competitive, uh, you know, that the uh, that were interested in his services as well. It's just, it's been all downhill. He's been a huge disappointment for the Canadians. He's been injured more often than not. And um, this is, this one's, it's, 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 it's not going to hurt all that much because, He's got a year left on his contract after this year. And he's the type of player, like you said, that will be more valuable when he's picked up at the trade deadline of his final year than he would this year. But mm -hmm. I'm wondering, do you think it all, and it all changes what the game plan could be for Sean Monahan? Once again, they need depth at center. There's no one in Laval who's able to make the jump, who's a center iceman, who could come in and make a difference. Kirby Doc's out for the season. Now Christian Dvorak's out for the season. And Alex Newhook has missed the last couple of months and is still out. 
Do you think it at all changes the game plan with Monaghan? You mean about trading him or not at the trade deadline? Whether to trade him or not to trade him. Okay, well, again, it's all about the game plan. If the Habs trade Monaghan, obviously there's no more depth. Obviously there will be more losses during the final month of the season if they trade him in early March. Is that what they want? Do they want better odds uh, in the lottery? Do they want a higher draft pick? Then you trade Monaghan. But if you want to keep this thing going and win a few games, lose a few games, win a few games, lose like they've been doing so far. And that'll give what exactly? If they do that? I mean, oh. if you make the playoffs, it's great. But if you don't yeah, make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs, guess what? You're in no man's land. No man's land. So me, to, uh, in, in my book, Monaghan, trade deadline, gone. If you lose 10 games afterwards, well, be it. I'm going to take it a step further. Me, in my book? Yeah. If there's demand for Monan already, I'm trading him because oh, I'm trading him now, yeah. But you know, there's you nothing know, happening in season. Although his contract, I, his contract is minuscule, so basically, yeah, yes. it, there could be a taker now. Yeah, I, I mean, listen. Of course, the ante will go up a trade deadline because other teams will be reacting to other teams picking up players, and some teams might overpay. Yeah, but that comes with a risk of having a player who might get hurt. If he gets hurt, you get nothing for him, like last year like last year and you don't want last year to happen again this year no but i i think if you trade him now i think the minimum the minimum you can you, you have to take minimum is a second round pick minimum at the minimum mm -hmm. there's one way you can get a first round pick for him but a lot of people are not going to like it. And I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying there's one way you can get a first round If they take on a bad contract in return from the other team? Uh, that's one way, actually. Let me rephrase. Then there's another way that you can get a better return from. You probably end up getting a first round pick. You'd have to give Slavkovsky's spot on the first line. Make him play with Caulfield and Suzuki. Um, you know, he's he's going to be playing a lot of minutes right now. Um, he's going to be playing on the first wave of the power play. Mm -hmm. You play him over 20 minutes a game. Uh, he, you, you know, bring up he his value, up, obviously. Yeah. He picks up points. You're going to bring up his value. And, and once again, a, a lot of people watching are going to say, no, I don't want to do that because Slavkovsky is playing very, very good hockey next to Caulfield and Suzuki. And I don't blame them one bit. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think that if you would take Slavkovsky off of that line for, let's just say, three weeks to play Monahan to bring up his value. Then in three weeks time, if you put Slavkovsky back there, I don't think he's going to be lost or he's going to become a bad hockey player by any means. I, I do I, agree I, with you. Yeah. You know, and I understand. Speaking of which, the Canadians were right, eh? With the development path with Slavkovsky is looking good. Yeah. Yeah, they were. He, he was your pick, eh? Yeah, I had him number one. Uh, obviously not, not Connor Bedard type of number one, but I had him number one on the list, yeah. Who'd you have number two again? Cutter Gauthier. It's not a bad pick. I love Cutter Gauthier. I love this guy. Who'd you have number three? I wouldn't have to see the list. I don't remember. Because I'm already uh, in 2024 draft mode right now. But if you give me like one second, I could check my list. Yeah, yeah, check your list. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna have fun. My list. If you give me like, you have a computer or you have a? Oh, I have two computers. I have oh, one yeah. that I'm working from right now, and one that I use. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You still, have a, you still have a typewriter at home or what? Pardon me. Nothing. Forget it. No, no, no. Oh, word processor, Tony. Word processor. Word processor. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, have, I'm just like on Aki DB and I got to pull out my list also. Let's see, went on Aki DB to see what? To see the actual draft? Well, I see both. Yeah, because I like to compare what I did. Well, the, well, the actual draft was Slavkowski, a one to the Canadians. Simon yeah, Nemec, yeah. It's Nemec, Nemec, uh, number two to the uh, New Jersey. Devils. I had Logan Cooley at three. Logan I had Cooley Nemec. number three to Arizona. Shane Wright, number well, one, number I had four Cooley to Seattle. At three. I had Cooley at three. I had Simon Nemitz at four. I had Connor Geeky at five. And I had Shane Wright at six. This is what I had. It's not bad. Yeah, so far. But, you know, there's a long way to go before we can I, judge uh, the draft.
I told you I made money on that draft. Eh? Did I ever tell you that? Oh, by betting on uh, Slavkovsky being the number one pick? I bet on the top four in the correct order. Oh, you, you got them all? Yeah. Okay, so you, you, you kind of figured that right, uh, New Jersey and uh, Arizona were going to pass on right. Okay, so th this is the logic I went by, right? Now I, and I, by the way, I wasn't convinced the Canadians were going to take Slavkovsky for, for, you know, for some amusement purposes. I said, okay, how's this going to go here? I said, Slavkovsky, I'll take the Canadians going with Slavkovsky. I said, New Jersey has Hishir and Jack Hughes at center. And Dawson Mercer, who can play both center and wing, I said, New Jersey's not going to take a centerman. Yeah. They're going to take a defenseman. And at the time, Nimich had just crawled in front of Yurichek, if memory serves me well. Yes. So then I said, Arizona needs a good player. Andre Tourigny knows Shane Wright. They got Logan Cooley, who's an American kid. I think they're going to take Logan Cooley. And I think Seattle will have to take Shane Wright at that point and figure that Shane Wright will end up, you know, being well insulated going forward, playing behind Matty Beneers. Yeah. And um, yeah, I uh, was it. It's also a new franchise. They want to go with a name, you know. It, it, Wright was a household name more than Cutter Gauthier, let's say. Yeah. I'll even yeah. a $50 bet made $2,000 profit. Wow. That's that's great, Tony. Yeah, forty to one odds. Uh, that was that was a, a a good bet. It was one of my best bets in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the best one was uh, taking the Columbus Crew to win the MLS Cup after Week One at twenty five to one. Are you serious? Yeah, I had that one there too. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know what they say about uh, people who put a dollar or two on games, right? You only you only hear about the ones that they win. So trust me, I lose a lot more than I win. But I just yeah. But if you take long shots, if you take long shots, you can afford to lose more than if, yeah, you, yeah. if you take the obvious favorite. Yeah. So I just talked to you about the two that I won, and I lost about a hundred in between them. All mm -hmm. right. Okay. Um, so the Vorax out, the center ice position. How do you see it going forward? Because And and are you a fan of eleven forward seven D? Like uh, like I was saying before the show, I'm a fan of eleven seven as long as you have specialists. Basically, you don't necessarily have a fourth line. You don't necessarily have a seven defenseman. You have specialists, so you can have a guy who plays exclusively on the PK, another one who could play exclusively on the power play. Uh, so I. I like the 11-7 as long as you use the three extra players after the top nine and top six defensemen. As long as you use them wisely, I like it. Uh, Peter from Cote Saint-Luc very much likes going with 11 forwards because you get to double shift your best players. You can also do that, but is, yeah. it, is it a good idea to double shift your top center with your worst two forwards? All right. Okay. So um, I do some work for BPM Sports, as you know. Yeah. I'm a, a full-time collaborator on the Larac and Gonzalez show, which goes uh, Monday to Friday from noon to 3 p.m. Uh, I'll be back at work on Monday. And I know that you were on their airwaves a couple of days ago because I saw your name all over Twitter. And I don't know if you know this, but you are trending in Montreal. Do you know that? I believe you're trending. I, I don't know if you're trending. I believe you're, well, listen, I, I mean, everywhere I went on, on X, formerly known as Twitter, I mean, people were talking about you. Your name was everywhere. So what did you say? Well, I know I was clobbered on Facebook and some things that were said, I, I cannot. You have, a, you have a Facebook account? Yeah, you have a Facebook No, account. no, but I checked the BPM, uh, no, the, not BPM, Dali Coulis uh, page. Because they yeah. recorded what I said, and uh, no, I, but I hold on a second. Oh, hold on a second. This means so you checked out Donny Coulis on Facebook. No, it's because a friend of mine told me uh, you better check Donny Coulis. Okay. Uh, because they're talking about your comment about Lane Hudson this morning. But so you I were getting Danny killed, Coulis. right? Pardon me. 
You were getting killed, though. You were getting massacred. I, I was getting killed. And basically, some, some well, why, why, why would your friend do that to you? Why would your friend call oh, just you? For fun, just for fun. Because well, it's, it's not fun when it. somebody reads that you're getting massacred. You, you're reading that you're getting massacred on social media. It's not fun. What kind of friend do you have exactly? No, saying? because they, they know I enjoy all this. But uh, look, I, I don't uh, know. That's this. why you say the stupid things that you say to get a reaction. No, that's the you thing. Enjoy it. I, I, I see it like it is. But then I'm okay living with the consequences. I'm not doing it uh, to get attention like a lot of people say. No, I'm just, no, no. I'm, I just tell it like it is. And actually, I was a little bit surprised because I was very nuanced about Lane Hudson. And I'm going to repeat it to you what I said on BPN. I was very nuanced. So I was a little bit surprised that I was trashed. And I have to tell you, Tony, some of the comments that were made, I cannot repeat on a family podcast. Yeah, yeah. Really? It wasn't just like he's an idiot. Okay, there was a lot more that yeah. was said. By, now, by the way, by the way, by the way, the beauty of sports is that everyone's entitled to their opinion because at the end of the day, sports, if you think about it, really, it is about opinions. Okay. Yeah. Now, having said all that, you don't have to agree with one's opinion, but I just hate it when people call other people idiots for their opinion or he's a clown. Like I, So I get a lot of that too. And I'm going to tell you this. You don't have to like me. You don't have to agree with me. I have my opinions. You have yours. But because you don't agree with my opinions, it doesn't mean I'm a clown. Because believe me, I'm not a clown. And and you know what? I know you're not an idiot. No. By the way, you weren't an idiot when you said that the Canadians should have drafted Quinn Hughes. There you go. You weren't an idiot. But at the time, I was called an idiot. Because I even said that Quinn Hughes was very close to Rasmus Dalin in my book at the time. Yeah, but nobody is calling you back today to say, hey, by the way, I called of you an not. idiot during that not. draft. And now after no. watching the way Quinn Hughes is playing, I take back that comment. You're not an idiot. No of one does that. Of course they won't. But, I don't but, think either. but they will spit back when you had a player going first or second overall that turned out to be a bust. Then they'll exactly. call you an idiot again. Naturally. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Okay, so it all makes sense. sense. What were you saying now? Okay, what I said, they, they, uh, I was asked if, first of all, if Lane Hudson was going to sign at the end of the year. Of course. And will. if he could play right away in the NHL and what to expect. Uh -huh. And basically what I said, I said, yeah, I do think he's going to sign at the end of the year. And 100% he's signing. And I do think they will give him a few games, just like they did with John Farrell last year. And it's common practice to sign an NCAA player, give him a few games at the end of the year, especially if you're out of the playoff picture. And then you reevaluate... Uh, the situation in training camp, like they did with Sean Farrell. They sent him to Laval. He hasn't been seen in Montreal since then, which, which is fine. So I think with Hudson, I said, as of now, he's a power play specialist. As of now, doesn't mean he's just going to be a power play specialist in four years. But I'm saying as of now, he's 19 years old. You bring him to the Habs. I think this guy, night in, night, night out, will have a very, very hard time playing 15, 20 minutes and defending against strong, fast NHL players. Okay, his backward skating is not top-notch. Very often, I've noticed in college, he has to skate, he has to turn around and skate forward to be able to uh, uh, stop the guy that's coming. It works yeah. in the NCAA. It works at Boston University. It will not work when you have these monsters coming at you in the NHL. So for now, uh, he has to be sheltered. And I do think, and I do think there's nothing wrong with this, that he should start a year in Laval next year. And there is something that I added also. He's a, he's, he's a 62nd overall pick, okay? Mm -hmm. Usually 67 overall picks. They don't become stars, usually. They often don't make the NHL. So Lynn Hudson, per se. Well, Kucherov and Marshall were drafted after than that. But usually, yes. Usually, yeah. your best usually. players are first-rounders. The law of averages yeah. says your best players are first-rounders. That's why exactly. they're first-rounders. So what? The, so if I if I, if I I ever but You know as that. well as I do that if Lane Hudson wasn't as small as he was and wasn't as lightweight as he was... He was not going to drop the 62nd overall. No, he would have been a first-rounder. I don't think he would have been a top-10 player, like some people say, because I don't think he, he, he's necessarily fast enough. But, um, yeah, he probably would have been drafted between 20 and 25. 
fine. But when I'm saying, but he is who he is. He's, he's a small player. Mm. So what, what I mean is that when you have, a, what I don't understand about fans here, okay? They have these guys sometimes who are drafted 34th overall, like Logan Mayu, Lane Hudson, 62nd overall. At the time, Ryan Paling, 25th overall. And if we don't say... Mike, Mike McCarron. Like me, pardon me? Mike McCarron went 25th too. Mike McCarron. If we don't... If analysts like me don't say that we see a future superstar, we get clobbered. And if the guy, guys don't become superstars and we say, well, look, I told you so, well, we're haters. No, the point is, and I told you about Mayu. Mayu was drafted 31st overall. The average 31st overall pick is usually a sixth or seventh defenseman in the NHL. Mayu so went 31st overall because he told everyone he wasn't worthy of being drafted, not to draft. No, I, I know, but, I, but I'm just analyzing the facts. The facts are, if a guy is drafted, look at Nolan Allen, drafted by Chicago, defenseman, Western Hockey League, 32nd overall. The guy is struggling in the AHL right now. And you know what? That's normal. He's a 32nd overall pick. But I find that here, the slightest little highlight on Twitter or YouTube, when the guy is an overage player in junior hockey or college hockey, makes the headlines and makes a lot of people think, oh, we got the next uh, so, perfect uh, hidden gem from the draft. Okay, perfect. That's Montreal Canadiens fans are very, very defensive of their prospects. 100% yeah. fact, and that's true. There's only one problem. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you what the problem is, because I do a lot of reading myself on social media. Okay, the problem that you have, and the reason why there was a lot of, you know, uh, backlash, backlash. Thank mm -hmm. you. Is you're known as a Montreal Canadiens draft hater, so ninety percent of the time when the Canadiens draft a player for you, he's no good. Caden Primo, he's no good. Okay. Uh, Hudson, he's got all the defects in the world. Uh, Logan Mayu is no good. Uh, this guy's no good. That guy Farrell's no good. This guy's no good. That that the problem is, is that the reputation that you have garnered in mm -hmm. the marketplace is that of he hates the Canadians, mm -hmm. he hates their draft team, he hates their scouts, and maybe he probably just hates them because he either wants to be a hater or he wants the attention, or he's bitter because they never gave him a job. That's the reputation you've garnered. That's and the truth, I, I and understand. the truth shall set you free. Okay. Now, I, I don't hate anybody. I don't root against anybody, but I, I hate some of people's work in hockey. But I could say the same thing about the draft team, of that team, that team, that team. I, I, I don't like... I'll just give you one example, okay? I don't like the Red Wings rebuild. I don't like the way Eiserman is doing it. He's trying to speed up everything. They're not. They're never going to be contenders, okay? I'm saying this. Nobody cares here because most people don't care about the Red Wings. Am I Steve Eiserman hater? No. Am I a Red Wings hater? No. I just see what I see. Now, regarding the Habs picks, you say I don't like 90% of their picks. Well, first of all, okay, year in, year out, you're supposed to have max two players making the NHL out of your seven picks, okay? 50 guys year in, year out will make the NHL. So it's normal that at least 75% of the picks won't make it. Now, the other 15% is due to the quality of the picks. And if you look at the Canadians, go on AKDB, type up draft, Montreal Canadiens, look at the sheet. Okay, 2017 was supposed to be the Klondike for the Habs. Ryan Paling, Josh Brook, uh, Yoni Ikonen, uh, some even like Scott Walford, and Cale Fleury, and Caden Primo. This was supposed to be year one of the reset. Mm -hmm. Okay, Josh Brook was the talk of the, 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 you know, Habs world at the time. When he was 19 years old, he dominated the WHL. I said Josh Brook is an AHLer. I got trashed. I'm a hater. I'm this, I'm that. No, if Josh Brook had been drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I had been asked for my opinion on Josh Brook on a Columbus Blue Jacket podcast, I would have said the exact same thing. 
Look, I had Slavkovsky number one. Okay, I had him before the Canadians drafted him. So, okay, it's easy for me to say that, you know, they made a good pick. But the point is, look, I like the pick, and, and that's it. Okay, but this is what you I'm going to say. It's, uh, I, I see the point. Here's the deal. I said I like Ron Bacher. I would so, have so, I, 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 so I, I understand I understand your opinion on Lane Hudson. And, and you know what? With time, you might be proven to be right that Lane Hudson might need the Laval Rocket next year to prepare for an eventual jump in the National Hockey League. This is what I know, though, right now, fresh off of the World Junior Tournament. Okay. Lane Hudson logged a lot of minutes per game. Lane Hudson was not just used on the power play. Lane Hudson was on the ice when the other team's best players were on the ice. Lane Hudson was used more than anyone else. Lane Hudson was used in all situations. And Lane Hudson was used, you know, protecting a lead late in the game. Lane Hudson was on the all-star team of this World Junior Tournament. So on that basis alone, you'd have to think that of all the defense prospects out there, Lane Hudson is probably going to be the one who will make his entry to the National Hockey League ahead of all their other prospects. No. He was a dominant player at a okay. very important tournament on okay. route to a gold medal win. He wasn't necessarily dominant, but he wasn't one of the top defensemen. I do agree. But... The World Junior Championship, to me... He changed his game a bit for this tournament. He deserves a lot of credit. Oh, he played very well the last two games. The medal games, he played very well. So, yeah. no, I don't have a problem with his tournament. But the World Junior Championship, is, mm. you know, it's is littered with players who didn't do well at age 19 and became very good players in the NHL. Nick Suzuki being an, a good example. Cole Caulfield wasn't great at the WJC uh, either. And there are some players like Ryan Paling, who was the top player at the tournament, and did nothing in the AHL expect, except his three-goal game. So, and, and, and part of me, and if you could be fair, there's also players who had great World Junior tournaments and went and on became to have great NHL careers. Yeah. So, so there's you, you got to add those two. You can't just leave out the ones you want to leave it's, out. It's a 19-year-old tournament. And to me, I like to judge player based on when they play against older players. I've told you this a million times. The 17-year-old season in junior hockey, the first season in the SCAA, and the first season in the American Hockey League for forwards, and the first two seasons for defensemen. This is how I judge players. So to me, that tournament, okay, Lekere Miyaki, who was like the top player in the tournament for Sweden. Uh, he's, you know, he's good. I like him, but doesn't mean he's going to be a star. And, no, and there we, were, we, were, we were told, we were told going into the draft year that Letary Mackey was the best pure sniper of the draft. Yeah. And he fell to 15th overall. The Vancouver Canucks took him mm -hmm. and he finished his tournament with seven goals in seven games. And guess what? The people that told us that he was the best pure sniper from the draft. Well, today it looks like they were right. Yeah, for 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 a ten day tournament against yeah, nineteen year old players, I understand, but I'd rather players deliver at the tournament than not. Oh, because I do, because I if do, Terry Mackey had not delivered at this tournament, and Lane Hudson had not delivered at this tournament, and Cutter Goatsy had not delivered at this tournament, they would have been look obliterated, and we would have been told they're not as good as people think they are. Instead, they have a good tournament. They say, "Well, look, look I love Goatsy." Okay, let, let, let's make it uh, let's make it fair here. I love Goatsy. I thought he had a, a very good tournament, but I don't think he was dominant. I think he had a very good tournament, but I don't think he was dominant. Am I concerned that he wasn't dominant? No, I still think that this guy is going to get to Philadelphia next year. And by the time Michkov arrives, they're going to be a fantastic duo in Philadelphia. But do I care? What? You want to know why he wasn't dominant? Why? Because the states threw three amazing lines at you, one after another, and it, yeah. it was it was a it was a big time team win. Yeah, Will, Will Smith. Will Smith didn't wasn't like dominant or Will anything. Smith was not dominant. Uh, do I like Will Smith? I like Will Smith. Look, I don't, I don't pay much, and it kills people when I say that. But to me, as a, a draft, uh, a draftnik, whatever, draft analyst. Uh, uh, 
I see the World Junior Championship, believe it or not, as pure entertainment. I don't see it as a ben benchmark to analyze players. If I had to write scouting reports, or let's say when I prepare my list for the draft or future prospects or whatever lists, the World Junior Tournament, I don't write one single line about it. I watch okay. it, pure entertainment. If, uh, I'm going to finish off on Hudson. If Hudson ends up playing with the Laval Rocket at one point, yeah, for me, he's not going to stay there very long. And the reason being, he's not going to stay there very long. And I understand your point that he might get tossed around the National Hockey League and this and that. He has the skill set and the smarts to play in the National Hockey League and do well in the National Hockey League. Okay. For example, Arbor, Arbor Jackai was sent down. With all due respect to Arbor, he doesn't have the skill set no. or the hockey mind that a Hudson does, and that's a big reason why he was sent down, to work on different aspects of his game. Lane Hudson's going to start to play in Laval. He's going to work on what aspects of his game exactly? Well, it gets stronger. Okay. Backwards, okay. backwards skating, trying to yeah. knock off defenders off the puck. Yeah. He could, he, could, he could do that at the National Hockey League level, the way the Canadians have been doing it with Slavkovsky, albeit at a different position. Oh, boy. I, I think you're comparing uh, apples with oranges here. And was it two more? Slavkovsky is a big, big guy. He's a man. I understand that. Lane Hudson's issues are related to his... But he doesn't, he doesn't have to be that big, strong guy because he's not. He's yeah, gonna but, yeah, but he's, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be who he is. He's gonna be what made him special. Okay, yeah, but you're talking about special. Okay, Quinn, Quinn do you Hughes see didn't this get guy. Do you see Quinn this Hughes, guy? Quinn Hughes didn't get bigger or stronger at the national. And you're gonna tell me Quinn Hughes is an elite skater. I agree with you. Okay, but Quinn okay. Hughes didn't get bigger or stronger at the National Hockey League level. But he's got the puck, and no one can take it off his stick. I know, but Hudson doesn't. I, 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 what I don't understand is that a lot of people see Hudson, Hudson has sick hands. As Hudson that, has no, sick they, hands. See, they see him as an offensive wizard. He's not. He's not Caleb McCarr. He's not Quinn Hughes. How's he going to be in transition? He's going to be excellent. Okay. He's going to be excellent in transition. I, I, think, I think you guys see some kind of like puck wizard. And I don't think he is. You don't you don't see Lane Hudson as a special talent? You don't? No. You're an no, idiot. No, and that's why, and that's why the 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 weaknesses. I'm more concerned about these weaknesses. You see what I did there, right? Yeah, I, I know. I came back to the idiot thing when I just condone yeah. people for calling you an idiot. I'm more concerned about these weaknesses because he's not, in my book, an elite talent. I said it with love. Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes. Had weaknesses, and I remember Trevor Timmons was on your show and some some other show on TSN, and he, he he said Hughes will not be able to defend in the NHL. He said that he said it publicly, which is rare for a chief scout to say something like that before the draft. I had concerns about Quinn Hughes also, and he, he struggled at times. Now he's a little bit better, but he struggled at times at the beginning. I was like, oh, tough night for Quinn Hughes, tough night for Quinn Hughes. But he has the puck. He's a rover. He's a wizard. He's mobile. So he, 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 you can, he, he compensates for his weaknesses. And, I, I, and I, I, I bet on the fact that he would. But Lane Hudson, I watched a guy. I do not see the wizard that a lot of people see. That's all. What, I know you're not the president of the Mishar fan club. No. He had a good tournament. He had a good tournament. Again, he's a 19-year-old player. Who cares? I understand that, but once again, if we would have had a bad tournament, we would have killed him. If we have a good tournament, we no, I would not have killed him. I, uh, Tony, I, I'm going to be blunt here. I don't care about the WJC when it comes to evaluating players, and that's a statement. I do not care about that tournament. I watch it for entertainment purposes. It's, it's the best twenty-year-old tournament. It's the, but it, but it's the it's the best twenty-year-old tournament in the world, and you've disregarded it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun, but it doesn't tell you what a player is going to be. Later, I it's it's, short. That, it's a 19-year-old tournament. The players are okay, not. Look, the players I saw, are not. I, I saw uh, Connor Bedard in the World Juniors last year. are not used to playing with each other, first of all. True. This is not a real uh, a team context. It's a bunch of all-stars thrown together. And especially in Canada, they give them roles. 
oh, you're you're the top scorer on your team, but you're going to be on our fourth line and you're going to be defending. Oh my God. And, and you give this player a few days to adapt to this new role. So like I say, that's why I don't use it as an evaluation tool. I'm going to use it in Hudson and Macklin Celebrina in a couple of weeks for Boston University. That I do care. That I'm going to watch more closely. So, so uh, I, I look at it from, a, and, and listen, you're the scout, I'm not. I actually see the value because the fact that you don't have a chance to mesh together and blend together for a long period of time because you just have you know a short camp and then you start what is a very, very short tournament. It's an opportunity for the individual talents to come out and be able to change a game, be able to stand out. So uh, look, every case is different. I get it. But Shane Wright was not able to elevate last year. And that told me a lot. And Connor Bedard was, and that told me a lot. Yeah. Alex Lef uh, Alexi Lafreniere was. Yeah, no, I hear you. Listen, you know, every, every, every case is different. Every case but, but is different. Now, now we'll say this on the Moyd Mashar thing. Yuri Coolidge, who has been real lights out for the Rochester Americans, who was drafted two picks after the Canadians drafted Mashar by the Buffalo Sabres. I believe the Canadians drafted Mashar 26th and Coolidge was drafted 28th. Coolidge was unbelievable again today for Czechia with a couple of goals. Uh, they end up winning the bronze with uh, with uh, an 8-5 win over Finland. He had himself a real good tournament as well. And it just goes to show you, um, you know, um, Osland as well. For There's a couple of players that, uh, that, we, that were drafted. And Grant McCagg was talking about this earlier on tonight on the uh, recruits draft cast podcast on the sick media network that okay and i know you don't put a lot of onus on the world junior tournament but if we would take a look at this tournament and do you you end up doing the redraft coolidge doesn't go where he goes oslin doesn't go where he goes and some of these players go a lot earlier than they actually went yeah but coolidge it's not based on his performance at the WJC. It's based on the two, the one and a half seasons he's played in the American Hockey League. That's why he goes higher on the redraft. That's my I point. Agree. Okay, so is there any Canadians prospect that uh, caught your attention here that you like or that you're uh, fond of? Uh, anything? Uh, uh, look, I, uh, there were like, what, what, four players, I think, at the tournament? Yeah. I think Owen Beck, uh, like I say, I don't pay too much attention because they give him a role, you know, and, and stuff. But Owen Beck, in my book, just to recap his season so far and his progression, I think Owen Beck is no better than a fourth-line player. I think Michar is, if he makes the NHL, uh, is a bottom six player. Again, normal for a guy drafted 26. And Jacob uh, Fowler? What? Jake, and by the way, part of me, I'm Jacob Fowler too early to tell. I, think I have the sniffles here in Portugal. I'm battling a cold. Jacob Fowler? Yeah. I think so far he's, been, he's, he's played well. I think he was a good... Uh, dart to throw because i think that drafting goalies except you know maybe for a vasilevsky or a price you're throwing darts i think is a good dart we'll see that, that, that's we'll a good see. that's a good line by the way a good dart because if memory serves me well in the draft that they drafted him i think they drafted three goalies so they're actually right. trying because, to draft as many as they can to see if they yeah hit. because instead of drafting guys who are guaranteed fourth liners or guaranteed ahlers or even echlers why not draft tons of goalies? And at some point, you might hit the bullseye. So I, I like their draft strategy. You see, you see, I always criticize the Habs draft. No, I think the Habs strategy of drafting goalies, three goalies was great. Maybe not, yeah. nothing will come out of it. But uh, Fowler, so far, so good. But we'll see. Goalies, four or five years. One thing I wanted to, um, to uh, say anyway, I forgot. What do you mean you forgot? No, I was going to say something, but I forgot. How, how do you want me to end the podcast now that you're going to say something you forgot? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember now. Uh, you were telling me about uh, other defenders at the, uh, the World Junior Championship. And I'm going to take yeah. one of Lynn Hudson's teammates at Boston University. Uh, Swedish guy, Tom Willander. Drafted 11 by Vancouver last year. Yeah. Okay. I watch a lot of Boston University games. And if you had to tell me right now, who do you take? In the NHL. And I'm not saying Willander is going to be a star. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, who do you want on your team in the NHL within a couple of years? Willander or Hudson? I think Willander. Well, where was he drafted again? Yeah, 11th. 
Well, I understand that, but yeah. I mean, we should we shouldn't be talking about who would you take eleventh or sixth. No, 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 no. But everyone's talking about the Hudson and Hudson and Hudson at Boston University. So well, I could I could spin it. I could spin it another way and say, go back, look at that draft, and who is the steal of the third round? And I bet you it's going to be Hudson or the second round. You mean? But uh, second round, yeah. Uh, by the way, there was um, uh, sixty second. Yes. By the way, there was uh, there's the other American defenseman who really caught my eye. What's his name again? <clears throat> draft eligible this year. He uh, is stock really. I got to find his name now. Draft eligible this year. Yeah. Did they have any? Hold on a second. Eligible I, I think players so. this year. Hold on a second here. I got. I got to see now. I got to see the world junior now because now I can't go to bed unless I get this right or unless I bring this up because I can't just end the show. Well, are you talking about Ryan Chesley? see because uh, he, he he was playing with hudson he's already been drafted if that's the one you're talking about okay 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 uh, oh uh zee buen yes yeah the guy from the university of denver yeah yes yeah 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 i think he needs uh to uh, he needs to work on his uh defensive game like most defensemen I think he's probably going to be a guy drafted in the top 15. Uh, I don't think I would have in my top 10, but probably in my top 15, that's going to be, I'm going to follow his progress throughout the year. I, 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 I'm not in love with him, but I do like him. Uh, I kind of feel the same way about you. On that note, why don't we end it here? Because I'm in Portugal five hours ahead, and this is probably the latest I've ever been to bed in, uh, in a very, very long time. So thank you very much. Simo the Snake Boisvert. I look forward to talking to you again in the very near future. Thank you for accommodating tonight. Merci beaucoup. Merci, bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. All right, there you have it. Former Quebec Major Junior Hockey League scout, Simo the Snake Boisvert. Marinero, thanks everyone for watching tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like it, like it, share it with your friends. Comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. And if you enjoyed it, leave us a five-star review on Apple. It's our way of feeling the love. Once again, special thanks to our partners. Energy Transportation Group is one. Playground is another. Labita TB is another. And Accent Insurance Solutions is another. Thank you, our sick army. Thank you, our sick community. I love you all. For Shane Gomo and Master Control, I'm Marinaro, part of the sick team. This is the sick podcast. Tell your friends about it. Say, hey, you watch that guy? Who's that guy? You know, that guy is pretty sick. He has got that podcast. It's pretty sick. I'm Marinaro. Tell your friends. Ciao for now. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. La Vida TV, embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.